What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Hey, everybody out there in the Hive Jive land. Welcome to another episode. Hello, hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? And good morning, family. How's everybody doing? Well, good afternoon, evening, morning, or whenever you're listening. Good, good, good day, sir. Yeah. Hey, family. Good day. Good day. Good day. Um, to answer your question, honestly, I am hanging by a thread, but that is, uh, maybe a story for another day and, and not something that I could probably get into today and manage to maintain my composure. So, uh, um, is that a wax moth thread? Or <laughs> <what>? Maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, let's get started with some shout outs and thank yous to our newest members on Patreon. And this one, I believe should catch us up from, the last go around of stuff. So we want to say thank you to KCP. Thank you to Wendy L and thank you to Emily D. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We greatly appreciate the support out there. And thank you to everybody who is a member of Patreon. You all are absolutely awesome. We appreciate it so very much and hope we teach you a little bit. Our info you. Yeah, there's a lot of the the tain, <laughs> a lot of entertainment in the Patreon stuff and a little bit of info out there. <laughs> I got something in my head I've been wanting to ask. I've been looking at different ways of of uh treating varroa mites. And I've I have <laughs> I have so many different things, but now I was looking, of course, on the uh the uh uh what do you call it? It would be, uh, the, the witch, uh, YouTube. And I found where you can use an insect fogger, mix alcohol and oxalic acid and fog your hive. Mm -hmm. Now, do you do that in the fall or can you do it? They, what I've looked at, that doesn't say it just says, Oh, you know, shoot three squirts in a eight frame, four squirts in a, in a 10 frame or two squirts in a five frame. And, and one place I, I saw where it says, do this for a period of three weeks. I imagine it was once a week and then once a month after that to uh, maintain. And it's a hundred percent. Well, no, it's not a hundred percent at all. Um, so the, here's the, the catch with oxalic acid. Number one, it is, highly toxic to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. It is also not something that should be used during the honey flow and should okay. not be used when the honey supers are on. Okay. The oxalic acid will crystallize. It will mm-hmm. crystallize into the nectar and potentially into the honey. And it will absolutely crystallize into your lungs. Mm-hmm. And so regardless what you're doing, probably the safest way to do it using gloves and using eye protection is to do the dribble method where you dribble it over the top, uh, like between your frames, which you can do on a Langstroth, but you can't do on a top bar. The other two methods are vaporization. Like you just mentioned, 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the, and there's two versions. There's the, like you said, the insect fogger version. And then there's the heat version. And on the heat version, you have a rod. And we've talked about this before on the show. You've got a rod oh, yeah, that's got have. a little plate in it. And mm-hmm. you put the crystals onto the plate. The plate superheats. You insert it into the entrance of the Langstroth. And you have to hold it perfectly so that it is not touching or melting the wax on the frames above it. And it is not touching the wood below it on the bottom board because you will set your hive on fire and burn your apiary down when you're doing the fogger or the the vaporization from heat you must wear a respirator face mask um so that you are completely blocking out you can't just use like a paper mask you need to actually use one that's built um for some serious heavy duty stuff and guys that are spraying the automobiles yeah something like that would be be very beneficial because again, if the wind changes directions and the fumes hit you, it's not just a spit and sputter and cough. Those fumes are going to potentially go into your lungs, crystallize and never come back out and you will have damage mm-hmm. from that. So mm-hmm. it is not a safe thing to do. You should not go buy, you know, just store-based oxalic acid like you would use on a patio either. Um, you need to get stuff that is a little bit more pure and clean and, yeah, it's a trick. Now, here's the other side to it. And uh, I want to say the Young Harris Institute in Georgia and one of the colleges in North Carolina, I believe, mm-hmm. have been doing some extensive research on oxalic acid. And their findings are that it is not that effective. It is effective at killing any mite that is on the back of a bee, which would be a phoretic mite, at the mm-hmm. exact instance that you fog it. It is not going to do anything for any mites that are under the cappings or any mites that were not in the hive at that exact moment. So you could get a drop rate if you had, let's say you have 300 mites in your colony, 200 of them are underneath the cappings and 50 of them are actually riding on the backs of forager bees at the moment. Mm -hmm. And the other 50 are walking around on the backs of bees inside the hive. When you do that treatment, you're going to knock down those 50 bee or the 50 mites that were on the back of the bees in the hives. As the foragers come back, those other 50 are still going to be there. And that can be a minute later. And then the 200 that were under the cappings are going to immediately emerge. So even if you treated every single day, you will never get every single mite. Because you treat at 8 o'clock this morning and you kill all the mites that are in there from 8 o'clock to 8.01 or 2 that are on the backs of the bees. And then at 8.30, a bunch of brood emerges and those four mites that are hiding down inside those cells that are now fresh pregnant mites come out and they Mm -hmm. go walking across and they crawl into another cell and the bees cap that cell. And then tomorrow morning you come back at 8.30 and you treat again. And it doesn't matter because those mites have already moved down into a cell and you're never going to get them and they're going to make three or four more mites by the time they come out. So it has actually, it is effective in certain uses. The only time that you're going to get a 100% drop rate would be at a cool time of the year when there is zero brood present in the hive. If there's zero brood present in the hive and you do a vaporization with oxalic acid, you can get nearly a hundred percent drop rate because there's not going to be that many foragers out and there's not going to be any mites being able to hide underneath the cappings where they can't be reached by the vaporization. And for us, there is very rarely ever a time that there is zero brood in a hive. No, there's not. 
in, in, in the wintertime. But yeah, that's, but they're still. Uh, yeah, not even in the wintertime. Winter time. Exactly. I we know. still have still small clusters there. in the winter. So, yeah. so. Uh, uh, I'll see. Transitioning so. away from oxalic acid, I want to talk about something that is, oh, for the, you asked earlier, and uh, I was going to say this initially and then go off on a different subject anyway, but so today's episode is actually about elusive queens, but before we get into that, I want to talk about something that is absolutely freaking brilliant, and kudos and shout out to Natalie. Natalie and Les at Be Mindful um, is mm-hmm. where I got the inspiration for this. So Natalie posted this last week on Instagram this amazing idea and concept, and I have no idea why I have never thought of it, and I have never seen anybody else do it, and it is freaking brilliant. We talk all the time, and we have a lot of people ask questions about like, well, I bought a nuke and it's a Langstroth nuke and I want to put it into a top bar, but those are incompatible. So what do I do? (laughs) There's not a lot that you can do that is easy or successful. And Natalie has come up with this idea where it makes it where you can take that nuke and attach it straight onto the end of your top bar and then just allow them as they grow and expand to expand from the nuke into the top bar. And she's drilling a hole into the back of the top top no. bar. And, and, uh-uh. Nope. She is taking the entire end, the end cap off of the top bar. So you have an open channel, the full dimensions of the interior of the top bar. And when she takes that end cap off, she is tilting it down and then screwing it to the bottom of the top bar so that it now makes a shelf sticking out the end of the top bar and the end is open completely. And then if your nuke comes and there's some caveats here, there are still some reasons why this wouldn't work. But um, number one, if your legs are on the outside, like the way that I build my top bars, Mm -hmm. my legs Mm -hmm. are on the outside Mm -hmm. of the end cap and they're attached to the end cap and to the high frame, the main structure of the high body. So I wouldn't be able to do this with that design. The other thing that would make this not possible to do is if you do also like I do where you glue it and screw it because that wood glue is going to permanently bond and you will rip chunks out of your wood if you try to do this. So the only way that this does work, and again, this is a caveat, but if your legs, if your hive is setting on any type of stand or support and the legs mm-hmm. do not block the end cap and the end cap is not glued down, it's just screwed on, you can absolutely do this. So there's your, there's your catch 22 right there. There's your caveat. But you take that end cap, you unscrew it, and you basically just lay it down like if you were opening an oven door, right? You right. lay it down and screw it onto the bottom so that it makes a shelf right out there by that opening. And then the other assumption is that your nuke is being delivered to you in one of the classic corrugated plastic boxes. And that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of them come in is this, this uh, Mm -hmm. plastic corrugated like cardboard, but it's plastic box and it's a white box. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way. Now there are other plastic nukes that are a permanent harder molded plastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You could do it with those, but it's not going to be as easy to do. But all you do is you take that plastic box and you set it on the shelf and you push it up against the opening of the top bar, move the top bars out of the way so that you can see, and then you can trace a line that is the exact shape of the inner dimensions of your top bar. 
And then you just take a box knife and you cut through that corrugated plastic right along your line and open that up to where it's the exact shape of the top bar. And you push it up against your top bar. You put your bars back in place. Just take some painter's tape and run around the outer seam so that you're sealing any little gaps from air and bees coming and going and critters getting in there. And you're done. And then as the bees are, are expanding in their nuke when they're ready to build a new frame, by having that thin plastic pressed straight up against the actual opening of the top bar and no wood between it and the interior, you just got that thin piece of plastic there. You have not invalidated their bee space. So they just move over and their very next comb is built on the very first bar of your top bar. And then they go consecutively after that. They build the next one and the next one and the next one. So as they move into the top bar and they expand and they get five or six bars going in there that has all their brood in it and they're starting to get resources and nectar and pollen in there, you can then take away the Langstroth box entirely. You can just remove it from the system, unscrew your, your new shelf and flip it back up to make an end cap and screw it back into place and you're done. And you've allowed the bees to naturally migrate into the top bar without trying to cut frames, without trying to do all kinds of bizarre stuff. All you did is open an end cap and flipped it down and made a shelf out of it. And I think that is freaking brilliant. Well, yeah, it works. Now, are you, you're, you're closing the, where you took the end cap off, you're closing it down to the dimensions of the front of the box. You're taping that off or something. You're closing it somehow. You're using the entrance of the top bar. They're having to come and go through the top bar to get back to that nuke, right? Yep. Yeah, the, the nuke is cut. The side of the nuke is cut out so that it is the, the exact shape oh, and lines up okay. perfectly. The side of the nuke. The okay. side of the okay. nuke. Because you're, you're setting the, now. Yeah, you're not yeah, setting yeah, yeah. the nuke up. You're setting the nuke up so that the frames would line up perfectly with the bars so that the next yes. comb is logically just going to be on the bar. So when you set the nuke on that shelf, you're setting it crossways to where the side of the nuke, the long side of the nuke, where mm -hmm. the frames are running mm -hmm. long ways, is pressed straight up against the opening to the top bar, the whole opening from the whole side that you took off. And then you trace yep. that half of a hexagon shape that the interior of the top bar makes, cut that out of the plastic side of the nuke box, and then you just press the nuke box straight up against the wood. The shelf that you've made is holding the, the top bar, mm -hmm. and the, or sorry, is holding the nuke. Um, and you've got it pressed all the way up against the wood, and then you just tape that outer seam where the plastic box meets the side of the wood. And then the, those plastic, uh, corrugated plastic boxes, the entrance just pushes down or pops up. So you push yep. down the entrance so they can't get in and out oh. from that. And then they'll go through the top bar. And their entrance, their normal entrance in the top bar, will be right there, right inside once they enter the top bar. So they're going to start using that as their entrance to come and go. They'll get used to having the top bar there, and they're going to expand straight over into that frame and keep growing from there. Okay, or so you're not, the, the bar. you're not putting it on the back of the top bar. You're putting it right up against the front where they're coming in. No, you're, well. No, they're coming in from a side. Yes, you you're putting it, right it on the end. The, yeah. Yeah, on the, the end furthest end, On the furthest end from where they're entering? No, right by where they enter. Okay, right by where they enter. So where yes. they're entering, they're entering from the side. You take that off. You make a, a shelf out of that end. Put the box up there on by the side of it up there. Cut the side out. Tape it up. 
And they're just coming in and going right into the box, into the nuke box. They're yep. not going all the way to the other end of the top frame. No. Top bar. Because just like when you install a nuke into a top bar or install a package into a top bar, you're going to put their comb right by the entrance. No, you're yeah. not going to put it yeah. on the opposite side. So you do the same yep. thing with the nuke. Um, so for anybody out there that would like visual representation of this, go look up Be Mindful on Instagram or Facebook. And it was a post that just came out, I think, Thursday or Friday of this last week. Uh, and again, freaking amazing. Uh, it's just, she's got like 10 pictures in there that you can flip through and see step by step how she went through and did the whole process. I think it's brilliant. Does it work for absolutely everybody who wants to put a Langstroth nuke into a top bar? No, because if you build your top bar like me, you've screwed yourself because your legs are in the way yep. and your end caps glued in place. Um, if your nuke arrives in a wooden box like my first nukes did, it's not going to be as simple as just taking a box knife and cutting through plastic. If your nuke shows up in one of the solid molded plastic boxes, also not going to be as easy. You could still do it, um, but it, you're, you're going to have a lot more tough cutting to do on that. So, but again, it, regardless of all of those obstacles, it is still something that I have never seen. And I, I think again, it, like I've said it multiple times, it's freaking brilliant and it will be a very good stopgap for people, especially if you're somebody who is just getting started and you're looking at building a top bar hive. If you've gone out there and you've looked, if you've looked on our Facebook, if you've looked on Patreon, if you've looked on Be Mindful's website or any of Be Mindful's posts, they have a link to free top bar plans, which are the version and design that Les and Natalie use at Be Mindful. And so that will that'll work perfectly because then you're going to be doing it exactly the way that they say to do it. And you'll be able to make these modifications to add a nuke onto the end if you need to. Um, but if you do, like if you build it the way that I build it and you know in advance that this is an option and you can go through and make those modifications, well, then you simply just don't put your legs in that place. You figure out how to put the legs on the bottom instead of on the side and you don't glue the end cap on on the side where the entrance is. You can do that whenever you're sealing it back up permanently if you wanted to. You know, you can always unscrew it, put the glue on the seam and put it back into place if you wanted. But uh, it's, I think it's it's perfect. It's brilliant. Like I wish... I would have been made aware of that two years ago, you know, and I could have saved a lot of our listeners some heartache and headache out there. Um, you know, we've, we've had the, the young lady who put the Langstroth bars inside the top bar and turned them where they would technically run perpendicular to the bars, which caused her some headaches down the road. And we've had listeners who have taken their Langstroth frames to a table saw and sawed them bees comb and all into the shape of a top bar so they could put it into the top bar hive, you know? So there, there's all these complicated and messy and destructive ways that people have tried to convert this to make it work. Um, ultimately the best thing to do is to get a package, not to get a nuke because you don't want to buy a Langstroth nuke if it's not going to a Langstroth colony, but sometimes you don't have a choice. There may not be any available except for that in your area. So again, I'm taking up the whole first part of the show to talk about it because I think it's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I th I'm sitting there thinking, hell, I need to order a nuke now. I got to play with that. Whatever, dude. <laughs> you have too many bees as it is. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't need any more. All right, so main topic, elusive queens. This is courtesy 
of one of my consultation clients and her affectionately termed punk rock hive who always every single time I am out there to do any type of consultation visit throws a wrench in the gears or throws us for a loop, but it makes for some amazing teaching and educational opportunities. So normally uh, when I go through and am looking for a queen, I usually always find her like we'll say at this point, because so far this year, especially thanks to hives like the punk rock hive um, there's been some wrenches thrown in there, but typically eight out of 10 times, I find the queen on the very first try. And sometimes if you're lucky, and this is all luck of the draw, the very first bar or frame you pull out, she's right there. But going through the hive, whatever frame she's on, even if she's on the 10th frame and you started with the first frame and you work your way all the way to 10, but she's there, I usually always see her on the very first try. And that's not always the case. Sometimes the queen is literally elusive. And you can't find her in the instance of this last little iteration with the punk rock hive. We went through that thing and I am not kidding four times front Mm. to back with two people looking at every side of every frame. We, we started by taking the first box off, setting it down, going through all of the frames, moving over to the next box, going through all of the frames, going back to the first box, going through all of the frames, going back to the second box, going through all the frames, rinse and repeat. And we managed a split and two other hives in between all of that because we were like, all right, we're going to we're going to leave it separated, give it some time to calm down and we're going to do it again because by God, she has to be in there. She has to be in there. And it was really infuriating to be because usually I'm really good at seeing the queen. And I was starting to think that I had just completely lost my marbles because we saw eggs in swarm cells and eggs in cells. All fresh eggs, not a single drop of liquid around them anywhere. Freshly laid eggs and no developed queen cells. Like they had just put them in there that day or the day before. So normally that's not when a colony would swarm. They usually do the leaving part about three days before the cells hatch. Sometimes they will leave the day that the cells are capped, which is about six days before they hatch. But it's usually pretty close. It's not usually 16 days before that's that's not normally how that should work so with fresh eggs everywhere she should have been there they were in the frames they were in the regular cells they were down in the swarm cells like any comb. now sometimes that's not the case um as kin can attest sometimes you just have a hard time seeing a queen drones get in the way oh, hell yeah they look like the rest of bees they <laughs> yeah they look just unless you get one with an orange or red spot in the back of it Yep. If you get one that's marked, if you do have problems seeing queens, then it is very advantageous for you to go ahead and pay the extra couple of a dollar and get a marked queen. Because that little dot, even though the bees will eventually clean that off of her and she'll be left with a tiny little halo or a few specks, but that little dot makes it way easier for you to see a green dot or a blue dot or a white dot moving around through your colony. And this year is white, I believe. So you want to go through and try to make it easier on yourself to find the queen. But if you do have a hard time seeing queens and you having a day like I did where they're just straight up invisible or elusive and you know they should be there, there are some tricks that you can do. And these are Hail Mary last ditch effort tricks. And I wanted to mention it out there for everybody because at this time of the year, people are going through and they are trying to do splits 
and or the colony's trying to swarm, you know, things like that. And you need to find your queen or you're requeening a colony and you absolutely need to find your queen if you're doing that. So to go through and do these things, there's two primary options. And one of them, one of them sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you could do a temporary split because if you divide the colony, it makes for less bees that you have to go through once they calm down. So in the instance of like this punk rock hive that was a double deep hive, had we had the proper equipment, if we had another landing board, another inner cover and another roof, we could have just taken that top box off, set it down on its own board, bottom board with the inner cover and the roof on it and just walked away and then put the other one back together. So now we've, instead of a double deep, we've got two deeps and you leave it that way. You don't have to do it necessarily for very long. You can leave it that way for overnight or you can leave it that way for a day. You don't want to leave it so long that they start making emergency cells. But if they do start making emergency cells, then you know that the whichever of those two hives makes the emergency cells mm-hmm. does not have a queen. And whichever of those two hives still has fresh eggs in it has the queen in there because those eggs only stay as an egg for two days. And on the third day, they hatch into that tiny little hair, hair sized C shaped larva. So that's number one. You can split it in half to knock down each section's population to make it easier to go through. And then when you open it up and go through it that next day or the day after, they've calmed down and there's not all of that population running up and down between the frames and the boxes and everything else. So that's one way to do it. Now, also, as a little side note, the very first time you go through to look for her, take your lid off, flip it upside down, set it on the ground, take the box off, set it crisscross so that it's kind of not setting down in the lid, but it's actually setting kind of catty corner on the edges of the lid. Set it down on top of the lid. That way, any bees that fall are going to fall into the lid, not into the grass. And then go through that box down there. If you try to go through the box while it's still on the tower of boxes, she can run down. She may have been in that box, but she can run down into the next box and then down into the next box. So by separating the box off the very first thing before you start removing frames, if she's in that box, she's not going anywhere. She's stuck there. And then you go through that box and you look, and if you don't see her, then you can move to the next box and go through those frames and see if you can find her that way. So there you go. Number one, separate them. That's your first option. But if you don't have the extra equipment, you don't have another bottom board, you don't have another inner cover, you don't have another lid, what do you do? Well, hopefully you have a queen excluder. And if you do have a queen excluder, then you're going to separate all of your boxes Do again, put your lid upside down. You've gone through everything until the point of just frustration and exhaustion, much like we did. And this is the path that we ended up choosing in how we ultimately had to solve this problem. We took the lid, we put it upside down on the ground. We set the top deep there, went through everything multiple, multiple times, couldn't find her, was exasperated. And so here was our final solution. I took every frame out of the the deep that was setting on top of the lid one at a time, and I shook every single bee into the bottom deep box, into the brood box. Oh, well, hang on. We went further than that. You don't necessarily have to go quite this drastic, but we did go further than that. We separated all of the brood and all of the food. So as we were going through, since how we had been through it so many times, like we spent way longer than you should ever spend 
trying to find a queen, but we had brand new queens and we were trying to requeen that day. And when you're doing like the consultation trips and it's an hour away, you don't really have the luxury of, oh, you know, we'll check tomorrow morning. You know, it's like we need to get it done today kind of thing. So we had went through everything multiple times. We had all the frames and stuff in and out and in and out. So we actually segregated everything away. We took all of the frames that had any brood and we put it into what was going to be the top box. And we took all the frames that were either empty or had pollen and nectar, but no brood whatsoever. And we put it into the bottom box. And then we shook every single bee into the bottom box. And once all of the bees were in the bottom box, we put the queen excluder on top of it. Then we put the box with all of the brood and larva on top of that. Then we put on the inner cover and we put on the lid and we slid the lid back to cover up the top entrance. So the only way in and out of this hive for all the bees that are flying around in the air now is through the main entrance. And all of the nurse bees are going to move up through that queen excluder to take care of all of the brood in that top box. But the queen is not going to be able to get through that queen excluder. She is going to be stuck. And so even if she was outside the hive flying around in the air because we had disturbed her, she lands on the entrance. She comes inside. She goes up into those first section and then can't go through the queen excluder to get up into the top box. And there is no top entrance, so there's no sneaking in the top. Leave it that way for the rest of the day and overnight. And then the next day, we ended up having to do it two days removed because, again, it was an hour away. So the next day, though, if you're doing this on your own property, then you go back out there and you do the same concept, except now you know where she has to be. She cannot be in the top box because you have literally shaken every single bee out of that box before you put it together. She has to be below that queen excluder. So what we did is we took the top, the lid, we flipped it back over on the ground. We took the top box with all of the nurse bees and all of the brood and all of the larva, and we just set it off to the side because there's no way she can be in there. Then we went through every single frame in the bottom box. And by doing that, you balance out your population, just like when you separated them, you balance that out and you guarantee where she has to be. She has to be below the queen excluder because she can't pass through that. So she's going to be down there in the lesser occupied cells that are just empty or just food. And you can go through and if you do have empty cells in there, you can look and see if there's any eggs. And if there are, well, then she's definitely there. Or you just do your normal practice of going frame by frame and looking at all the bees and find the queen. So those are some little tricks that can go through and help you. In our case, even doing all of that, it did not help. Do you know why? She had left. She was already gone. Yep. <laughs> so, and that was the, that was like as infuriating as that was when we both went back out there and we opened it up it was a huge sigh of relief that neither of us have gone blind. Neither of us had lost our minds. We couldn't find her after four passes through that colony because she was already gone. She was already swarmed. She was already swarmed and already gone. Now it didn't look yep. like that should have been the case because that colony still had so many damn bees. I guarantee you it would have put out multiple after swarms. Because it was, I mean, we're just talking bees falling off of frames because they're on the backs of, on the backs of, on the backs of kind of thing. And normally they don't leave until those queen cells. So like she lays the egg in there 
And then mm-hmm. she goes on and she lays other eggs and other queen cells over the course of several days. Those eggs hatch. You go through and you start getting them filled up with the royal jelly. They start elongating them. And sometimes by the time they're almost half an inch long, sometimes she will go ahead and leave. But it's already obvious at that point. What we were looking at was queen cups, just the little acorn half bell shaped cup and a perfectly brand new egg. Again, straight up, not leaning over to the side, no liquid in there. Brand new, freshly laid egg that she had to have laid. <laughs> either, I'm out of here. See ya. Yes. She either did it that morning or the day before and then left that afternoon right before we got there. Well, I mean, it was like now craziness. Was it a scutellata, a colony? or was No. It so a- the punk rock hive, as I have said, always throws a wrench in the gears. The very first time I had to go be introduced to the punk rock hive, they had Helter Skelter rock music blaring out the entrance. Their comb was going everywhere except in line with the frames. They had fused frames together because they were drawing comb like off of the plastic and across to the other frame instead of across the plastic. They were hanging out over the edges where it was like built away from the plastic, but not on the plastic. Um, And they had like, it was just, it was absolute chaos. So we did a lot of cutting everything out and they were very testy and very mean, but they were a purchased package of bees initially or a purchased nuke. I don't remember how she started them, Um, but they were purchased. So they had a Mm -hmm. mated queen that they came with. And then we requeened that colony. And when we requeened them the first time around, they said, nope. And they completely did away with their queen and raised their own queen. So then we requeen them again and they finally calm down, but they've always been unique, quote unquote. They were eccentric. That might be a better name for them. They were eccentric. Um, They were always that way. And so that is the colony that always leaves us scratching our head or going, seriously, guys. (laughs) But no, they were not. They were not at any point in time like a feral swarm that was captured or anything like that. They were they were actually purchased queens, purchased nukes and colonies, and requeened on purpose twice. Um, we did a New World Carniolan or a Carniolan. She may not have been a New World Carniolan. She might have just been a Carniolan um, from a not a bee breeder but a bee distributor down south. And then the second time around, I want to say it was like, I think I brought out Russian Carniolans the first time. And those are the ones that they'd massacred and mm. didn't accept and still went ahead and raised their own queen anyway. And then we brought the, the next batch was uh, the distributor from down South and they get their Queens from like the Louisiana, Texas border. Mm-hmm. And that person does Carniolans and does Russians, but they don't do the hybrid. So it may have been a Russian the second time around, actually, I think. Um, Yeah. But anyhow, craziness. But I wanted to give everybody another idea of something that you can do whenever you go through and you're trying to find a queen and it is desperate that you find the queen. It's not just that you're trying to make sure she's there because those are not steps that you take just to make sure she's there. This is I have a new queen. And I have to find her and replace her. That's the primary version. Or 
I'm doing a split or they're going to swarm, but they haven't yet. And I want to do the split and the original queen needs to go with the split. That's another option that you can go through and, and utilize for that. So just wanted to, uh, to get that out there for everyone. Okay. Main thing is wanting to tell me how to do it because I can't find a queen. I'm too blind. <laughs> well, yes, but again, this is not just your standard. I just need to make sure she's, oh, yeah. you know, there, this is the, the, well, crap, I've got this queen and she needs to go in there and I need to get it done today. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's that version. So anywho, I think maybe it's time for us to talk about something that's just a little bit sweeter than a punk rock hive. It's a uh, time for some cooking. Oh, okay. It's time to see what sticky situations Ken can get himself into while combining that golden honey goodness into his sweet and savory creations. Welcome to Ken's Cooking Corner. Today's is a honey cake made with pecans. Uh, the recipe I had had walnuts. And I says, nah, I'm going to make mine with pecans. And it had sugar in it. And I said, no, I'm going to use honey. I've made two of them now, and they are delicious. And also, if you like, this is just a plain cake. Well, the one I really liked, I'm going to, is the applesauce, has applesauce in it. I took the oil out and used applesauce instead of oil. And uh, it's a very moist cake. It's just an eating cake. And then the last time we tried it the other day, last, last night for supper, I had some strawberries with honey over them. And they had, you know, how they suck the juice out of the strawberries. I used that for my strawberries over strawberry shortcake. And it was the honey cake that we put it over. And damn good. Now I'll give you a recipe. It's giving you enough time to get you a piece of paper and a pencil. And are you ready for the recipe? <laughs> okay, here we go. First off, I want you to take about three quarters of a cup of pecans halves or walnuts either one works great i like pecans because i grow pecans and we're in texas we're great we don't grow that many walnuts in texas okay lay the pecans on a sheet put them in the oven while you're preheating your oven at 350 degrees you want to leave them in there about seven or eight to ten minutes once they start browning just a little bit take them out let them cool off now in a bowl i want you to put a cup and a half of all-purpose flour i want you to put a quarter teaspoon of ginger and if you like cinnamon put your little cinnamon in there also but i use the ginger and uh, i just followed the recipe now you want to mix that oh also use three quarters a teaspoon of baking soda in the dry ingredients, that's flour, cup and a half of flour, three-quarter teaspoon of baking soda, quarter teaspoon of ginger. Mix this together. Now, in another bowl, I want you to put one cup of unsweetened applesauce. I want you to put one cup of raw honey out of your half, or mine, or John's, but a from a local apiary. Don't go buy this crap out of the big box store that says local honey. No, don't do that. Make sure it's local honey. 
Then I want you to put three eggs in that. Now stir it up well. Get it very, we get it very dissolved. Stir it well. Then you will pour that into your flour mixture. Stir it well. Make sure there's no lumps. Keep stirring it. Make sure our put it on beater. If you want to use a beater, that's fine too. I just stir mine. Then you pour it into a nine by nine round or nine inch round cake pan. I used a eight by eight square. And if John put the pictures up, y'all saw that. Put it in a 350 degree oven for recipe said 55 minutes. I did mine for about 45, put the toothpick in it, pulled out and it wasn't sticking. So 45 to 50 minutes. And then you take it out, let it cool. Then with, you have about, oh, out of a can of applesauce, you will take, oh, you'll have some left. A can is 15 ounces. A cup is eight ounces, I think, is a cup. But uh, you have, but anyway, take about three or four tablespoons of applesauce. And I use more than that. I use nearly a quarter cup of applesauce. Put about four tablespoons of honey into that applesauce. Stir it, stir it, stir it till it's dissolved. No honey. You can't see the honey. It is dissolved in the applesauce. Take your cake out of the pan. I put a little applesauce in the bottom of the pan and honey. Put the cake back in it. And then put the cake, then poured the rest of the applesauce and honey mixture. And now basically it's a drizzle on top of your cake and then let it sit. Let it soak up the honey and the apple juice or applesauce. And then well, I had to try it within about 15 minutes after I did all that. And it was good by the evening after it set for four or five hours. Oh, it was really good then. And then the next day. It was awesome. But uh, the one thing I didn't make any with cinnamon, and I wished I had of because I like cinnamon or nutmeg, you know, try some different spices. Uh, it's good. But it's no oil in the cake. It's the, the applesauce is what makes it moist. And, of course, three eggs. Uh, also, it is no sugar. It's honey. And it's damn good. I used it, uh, last, like I said, last night. We put uh, strawberries on it and whipped cream, and it was good. So let me make sure I've got, oh, yeah, quarter teaspoon of salt. Got to put a little salt in it. And 350 degrees, preheat oven 350 degrees. Uh, oh, by the way, on uh, your pecans, chop them up a little bit. In fact, what I did was put them in a blender, not a, uh, uh, what the hell is it? Where you put stuff in it and you, you chop it, a chopper, a food processor. I put that in, a, put my pecans in a food processor, beat them up, put that in there, start them in. And it was good. And serve it warm if you want to. Uh, in fact, I had it with ice cream the other day, and it was damn good with that too. Warm it up, put a little scoop of ice cream on it. It was good. So, and that is a honey cake. That is my honey cake. And uh, the main thing, the main ingredient is that honey 
from a local apiary or your behalf. Very nice. How's that? <laughs> I think that'll work. Definitely and, uh, get everybody's sweet tooth going for sure. Yep. That's it. I can't wait <laughs> doing this crap, but I will. <laughs> I mean, it's just like I told you and Tara, I was gaining weight just listening to y'all talk about food. So mm-hmm. not the same way that she was gaining weight, though. She she had a she has a leg up or two or four there. So, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. Well, everybody, hopefully you've gotten some uh, nice little pointers here and there that can help you out with finding queens or installing Langstroth packages into top bars or making you your very own honey cake with your very own honey and an applesauce topping. I've never heard of an applesauce icing or or drizzle before. That was kind of an interesting, unique take on it. And there are pictures that... uh, we will put up there. Um, they may not be up there as soon as the the episode comes out because I'm not usually functioning mentally um, when that happens. But uh, we will get them out there either later today when this first comes out or the, or the day after. So you will be able to see some photos of the dessert that he is talking about on our Instagram and Facebook. And next week coming up, it'll be the first Monday of May. It's hard to believe that April's already gone. Oh, man. Uh, But it will be the first week of the month, which means we will have another natural beekeeping segment with Natalie. And you can look forward to that one. Continue your natural beekeeping course there. And until then, we will talk to you all later. And y'all have to let us know if you try the cake, how you liked it. End of story. And, well, let me sit and think. Let me think if there's something I need to throw in here. Uh, No, there's not. Family, y'all stay healthy and wealthy and wise. How you like that one? Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Work like a bee and keep your bees healthy. All right, everybody. Be good. Bye-bye. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.